All right, so we are going to crack on with our series we started last week called Battleground. Everyone say Battleground. Excellent. So I read this quote this week from St. Augustine, um, and he said this, During this earthly pilgrimage, our life cannot be free from temptation, for none of us comes to know ourselves except through the experience of temptation. Nor can we be crowned until we have come through victorious, nor be victorious until we have been in battle, nor fight our battles unless we have an enemy and temptations to overcome. And so the point and the purpose of this series is to uh, recognize and acknowledge that we are in a battleground. That actually life is not a playground, it's not fun and games, but actually we are in a battleground, a spiritual battle. And so we need to get ready to fight. We need to be ready for battle because firstly, we've got a kingdom to advance. We've got a kingdom to advance. It says in Luke chapter 9, Jesus sent out his disciples to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And that is our call as followers of Christ, that we are called to advance God's kingdom, to go out into our communities, into our friendship groups, into our families, into our world, and to proclaim the kingdom of God. We need to seek first his kingdom, not our kingdom, but his kingdom. We need to seek that first. And we pray, don't we? Your kingdom come. So we want to see the kingdom of God advance firstly. But secondly, we have a battle to win. We've got a battle to win. This journey of faith that we are on is a battleground. And our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But the good news is that we know how it ends, don't we? The good guys win. And so make sure that you are fighting and ready to fight for good, for light. And last week, uh, we launched this series and we looked at the shrinking army, how Gideon started off with this army of 32,000 men and God shrank it down to just 300 men to fight this battle. And against all odds, they won this impossible battle. And God made it so impossible so that they couldn't claim the glory for themselves, but that God got all the glory. So that was last week, the shrinking army And this week, we're going to look at what I've called the unseen army. So turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, to 2 Kings chapter 6. If you've not, it's not going to come up on the screen today. So shame on you for not having a Bible with you and being prepared. (laughs) I'm going to read it. So listen in. It says this in 2 Kings chapter 6. Once again, the king of Syria was warring against Israel. He took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the, sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants says, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. 
And he said, go and see where he is that I might send an army and seize him. And it was told to him, behold, Elisha is in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to the army, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. And as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the, arm, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? And he answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set before them bread and water that they may drink and eat and then go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids to the land of Israel. And so what we're seeing here is this battle between two people groups, the Israelites and the, the Syrians or the Amorites in other translations. But this wasn't a new battle. It said right at the beginning of what we, of what we read, they were at war again. This was not a new problem for the Israelites. These two people groups had fought many times before. And when I'm reading that, to me, it kind of speaks into the truth that actually when we come against problems, when we come against battles, when we come against circumstances in our lives that cause us challenge, that cause us to kind of get a bit worried and concerned, oftentimes they're not new problems. They're not new challenges. Often it's the same struggle the same battle, the same challenge that we're facing time and time again. And if that's true for you this morning, then I hope that as we work through this portion of scripture, that actually you'll get some help, you'll get some encouragement, maybe some strategies about how to deal with this. And so as the passage begins, we see the king of Syria and he's making these battle plans. He says, what we'll do is we'll go to this place and we'll set up camp. And from there, we will send a charge in to defeat the Israelites and we'll attack them. But every time they got to this planned place that the the king of Syria had, had appointed, the Israelites already knew they were going to be there. And so they avoided it. 
And so, understandably, the king of Syria is getting really annoyed by this. Every time he tries to, tries to create this opportunity to attack, the Israelites already know about it, and so nothing happens. And so he gathers his people around him and he says, all right, fess up. Who is it that is leaking information to the Israelites? Where is the mole in this army? Someone is on the wrong side and is an undercover agent in this camp. Who is it? Who is it? You can almost imagine the scene, can't you? People kind of looking around. It's not me. Is it you? you? What? It's not. And then one servant kind of timidly raises up his hand and says, Excuse me, it's none of us. It's none of us. But it's the prophet Elisha who is telling the Israelites of all your plans, that actually he knows even what is said in your bedroom. That's a bit awkward, isn't it? And so the king is obviously really, and he must be like, well, what's going on? Have you got some kind of primitive version of a wiretap going on in my camp? Is there something, has he got my bedroom bugged so he can hear exactly what is going on and the plans that we're making? And the truth is that it's far better than that because actually Elisha doesn't have a bug. He's not got it wiretapped. Actually, he's got a direct line from God who knows exactly what's happening. He's got a direct line from God. And you can imagine the frustration of the king of Syria that he wants to make these plans and he wants to advance his army and he wants to defeat the Israelites. But every time he he goes into battle, the Israelites avoid him. They evade capture. They evade destruction. I, I don't know about you. I love a good board game. And I can get, I'm quite laid back most of the time, but I can get a little bit competitive in the, in the right moment. And so I, I can imagine how frustrating it must be playing a game against someone who already knows what it is that I'm going to do next. I mean, especially, I don't play a lot of chess, but I imagine in chess, that would be particularly annoying because, you know, a, a good chess player is always thinking like two, three steps ahead of themselves. But if the opposition already knows my two, three, four, five steps, I've got no chance, have I? And so it must be really frustrating for the king. But that's the truth in this battle, isn't it? Because God knows everything. He knows it all. He's omniscient. There are no secrets from God. Maybe that's a little bit worrying to you this morning. And the truth is that if you ever think that you can get away with anything behind closed doors, you might be able to fool us in the room, but you will not fool God. He sees everything. He knows everything. You can't keep anything from him. And so the king understandably is very frustrated that all his plans are are thwarted. And so he says to his men, okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to go and find Elisha so we can send some men to capture him. And then we'll be able to win this battle. Now let's just pause here for a moment and, and just figure out what's going on right now. So we've just acknowledged that Elisha has got this direct line from God and knows the next step of the Syrians. And yet the king of Syria is saying, I've got a plan. We'll find Elisha and then all of this will be stopped. I mean, it sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? What do they say about uh, insanity? Is this doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome? And, but for some reason, he thinks this time, this is the time that actually he won't know what's going to happen. We'll capture him and everything will be okay. But of course, 
That doesn't happen. But anyway, so he asked them, he says, where is Elisha? Where is this prophet? So that we can stop him, so that we can, we can capture him. And so they say, oh, actually, Elisha, he's in Dothan. Now, Dothan is only mentioned twice in the Bible. The first time is in Genesis, and it's the place where Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. And the second time it's mentioned is here. So it's kind of a small place. It's, it's off the beaten track. It's not really somewhere that's noteworthy in, in any kind of instance. And the, the truth is, I think, that prophets, they perhaps like to remove themselves a little bit to, to get themselves into a quiet place so they can hear from God. And so that's what's happened here with Elisha, that he's just taken, it's just him and his servant, and they've gone to Dothan, and they don't have like a security detail with them or anything. They are just, it's just the two of them in this small town. And so one morning, as it says in the scripture, the servant wakes up nice and early and he steps out into get some fresh air with his cup of coffee in hand. And as he opens the front door, he sees that he is surrounded by this army. It's a full scale attack. Tanks, missile launchers, this tomahawk helicopter just kind of slowly descends in front of them, armed to the teeth. And you're kind of thinking, this seems like a little bit extreme for two guys. It's just Elisha the prophet and his servant, and they have waged full-scale war against them. And so maybe now you're thinking, well, has the king actually got the upper hand on Elisha? Didn't Elisha know that this was going to happen? Well, stick with us. Let's read on. And so the servant opens the door and he's got his coffee in hand and it begins to shake a little bit. And he's like, um, boss, you might want to step outside for a little minute. We've got a problem here. What the heck are we going to do? This army is in front of us. We've got no chance. And so Elisha takes his time. I think he probably has a bit of a stretch. Maybe butters himself some toast. He grabs himself a nice cup of coffee too. And he, he strolls out into the patio and he's like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so the servant's like, oh, why didn't you tell me? Well, why didn't I think of that? Oh, if only I'd have just thought, oh, see this. I don't need to be afraid. We can be like that sometimes, can't we? That actually when people are facing challenges, we can just say, don't be, or we can get super spiritual. Just trust in the Lord. Everything will be okay. And, you know, the truth is, don't hear what I'm not saying. Absolutely, that's what we should be doing. We should trust in the Lord. But sometimes stuff gets scary. And we can face situations where actually we are shaking in our boots because the situation seems impossible. The situation seems like there's nothing that we can do in this moment. But I think it's important that we don't race ahead because we've just read the story. We know what happens. But the truth is that in this moment, when the servant opens the door and he sees this army in front of him, he's actually facing an experience that I think many of us have faced in our lives. And maybe even for some of us, we're going through it, we're facing it right now, that actually, this is not a new problem. We've said, hadn't we, that these two peoples have been at war many times. And so this is not a new problem. But this morning, as he opens the door, the battle has returned and now they are surrounded. And I think sometimes maybe for you, maybe for me, we can feel sometimes like we've been surrounded by our problems. That what we thought had gone away, that what we thought we had dealt with, one morning we wake up and it's there again. And it's surrounding us again. 
And we are once again on this battleground and we're shaking in our boots. And we're thinking, what the heck am I going to do? I'm facing this thing once again. I've tried to defeat it and I've not been able to. I may have been able to push it away for a moment, but it's back again. It's back again. I'm having to deal with this battle again. How are we going to get through it? And I imagine that much like Elisha's servant, when we're faced with a problem, when we find ourselves once again face to face with this battle situation that we feel afraid, we feel threatened, we feel alone, we feel trapped and hopeless because the truth is that this, this threat, this thing that's got us surrounded is very real. It's very real. Hey, Elisha, we've got a problem out here. You need to come and see what's going on. And what's his response? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Um, come again? There's two of us. There are thousands of them. This is not a fair fight. What are you talking about? Have you gone completely crazy? And so you can imagine this servant just thinking, what? I mean, I was scared before, but it's okay because I'm with the prophet Elisha. But now he's gone a bit cuckoo. So what on earth are we, how are we going to deal with this? He's probably feeling how many of us feel when facing a battle that seems impossible. But he needs to see. We need to see what's real. We need to see what's real. Has anyone here got a phobia of spiders? A few of you. I mean, I don't like spiders, but in our house, I'm the one who can deal with them the most. But there are certain spiders I can deal with and certain spiders that I can't. If they've got tiny bodies and long legs, I'm quite okay picking them up, taking them away and throwing them outside. But if they're fat and they've got thick legs... I'm, no, thank you, I'm out of here. And so we're kind of coming face to face with this spider and I'm thinking, it's going to kill me. <laughs> it's going to kill me, isn't it? I There's no way that I could touch this thing, it's going to kill. Even the truth is that we are literally a million times bigger than this spider and yet we're standing face to face with this tiny creature and it's looking at me going, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and I'm going, I know, <laughs> I'm going to go right now. Sometimes... What you feel is not what's real. Sometimes what you feel is not what's real. And so when you look at a situation, when you look at something that seems huge, that seems impassable, that seems unbeatable, what did we talk about last week? The enemy might be big. The problem might be big. But God is bigger. God is bigger. He's bigger than anything and everything that we could ever face. And so Elisha says, don't be afraid. For those that are with us are far greater than those who are with them. And then he prays. And then he prays. God, open his eyes. God, open his eyes so that he can see. See what? Because he can see this enemy and this enemy is very real right in front of him. He can see that the army is totally surrounding him. So what is it that Elisha wants him to see? And so he prays God open his eyes so that he can see not the threat in front of him, but what is really going on in this situation. God open his eyes 
so that he can see that we're not alone. That we're not alone. That God, you are with us. And so the Lord opens the young man's eyes and he can see that the mountain is full of horses and chariots of fire. So we've all gone, isn't it? They're fighting, they're fighting this battle. They're facing this battle. And it is a very, very real battle. And so it's understandable that the, that the servant is filled with fear, that he's quaking in his boots, that he's looking at this and he's thinking, we can't face this. What the heck are we going to do in this situation? But Elisha wasn't scared because what you feel isn't always what's real. What you feel isn't always What's real? Because once again, Elisha is one step ahead of the king. He knew the king was going to be coming against him. He knew that the king was going to be sending his armies. He may even have known that that very morning they would open the door to see this army. So why, with that information, did they not move location? Because he also knew that God was with him. He also knew that God was with him. Have you ever seen those videos on YouTube or wherever about people who are colorblind and then they get given these glasses that help them to see color? If you have never seen one of these videos, you have to go and search them up on YouTube. It will make you bawl your eyes out. It's incredible that actually there's this technology where you can put on these glasses and it reveals to you the color that you have never seen before. And for those people, the color was always there, wasn't it? The color was always around them, and yet it's only when they put on these glasses that now they're able to see it clearly. And so when you watch these videos, you can see as they put on the glasses that they become super emotional and they're filled with, with joy and with awe and with wonder of, of just what it is that they can finally see because now they're seeing what is truly real. Whereas once they looked and they thought that they were seeing now they can see clearly. Now they can see clearly. And the truth is that God's with you. God is with me. He's always with us. He's always been with us and he will always be with us. And so perhaps when we're facing a battle, when we're coming up against a, a challenge or a situation that is causing us to be fearful and causing us to be anxious, instead of praying, God, will you step into this situation? Maybe what we should be praying is, God, will you show me that you're already here? God, will you show me that you are already here. And so Elisha prayed, God, open the servant's eyes, and he did. And he was able to see that they weren't alone, that God was with him, that God was always with them. You see, they were facing chariots of iron, but God sent chariots of fire. They were facing swords and shields, but God sent them an army of angels. The battles that we face they're real and so it's understandable and it's totally okay for us to feel that fear and to feel that anxiety and to feel that panic. But what we need to see is to see what's real. We've got to see what's real. We need a new perspective and the perspective is that spider is tiny. It is far more scared of me than I am of it. I can literally... Gone. 
That is the reality of what we need a new perspective. We need to look at the situation and see what's real, not the panic and the fear that we feel. Because the problem is real, but the threat is only perceived. We need a new perspective. The battle, yes, it's big, but God is bigger. God is bigger. You know, I can't imagine what it must be like to, to actually be physically blind. I mean, I'm not even, I don't even need glasses. I've got great vision. Sorry for boasting for those of you who don't. But I can't imagine what it must be like to be completely and totally blind. I just couldn't imagine on what it is that you're, you just miss out on so much. The beauty of creation, being able to look into the eyes of someone you love. But the truth is and the reality is that our spiritual sight is so much more important than our physical sight because that's how we perceive God. That's how we perceive God. Being spiritually blind means that we are missing out on one of the most glorious and beautiful displays in all the universe. It means that we're missing out on seeing what makes life worth living. And when you're physically blind, you're very aware of your blindness you know that you are blind. You know that you cannot see. But when you're spiritually blind, it's different because when you're spiritually blind, oftentimes you think that you can see clearly. You're walking around thinking that you can see with 20-20 vision, but the truth is you're not seeing at all. And so look what happens as we read on in this story. In verse 18, it says, When the Syrians came down against him, Elisha then prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. And then Elisha says to them, this is not the way. This is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. It's like some kind of Jedi mind trick. These are not the droids you're looking for. And they're like, okay, follow me. Okay. It's, it's just crazy. And so the, but the truth is the Syrians think that they're seeing clearly. They hear what Elisha is saying and they think, ah, oh, yes, you're quite right. This is not where we're meant to be. And so they think they're seeing clearly. And Elisha then leads them away from Dothan and into Samaria, where this army now finds themselves in front of the king of Israel on his home turf, surrounded by the full force of his army. But then look at the twist in this tale. Imagine how they must have felt when Elisha then prayed, okay, open their eyes, let them see what is actually real. And they open their eyes and they find themselves in this place, face to face with the king, surrounded themselves by an army. They must have felt confusion. Well, this is not where we were supposed to be. They must have felt fear and just hopelessness. This is it. Lights out. Game over. This is not okay anymore. And so the king is like, okay, what next? Do we kill them all? Do we cut them down? Do we capture them? Do we get rid of them? Eradicate this enemy of ours? But what does Elisha say to do? He says, no, don't kill them. Feed them. Water them. And so he throws them this feast of grace. Don't strike them down. Feed them. And it's such a foreshadow of Jesus. It's such a foreshadow of Jesus. And you'll see as you read through the Old Testament that all of the prophets that rose up, they all pointed towards Jesus. And this is such a beautiful picture because like Elisha, Jesus leads us all into the throne room of God's justice. 
surrounded by armies of angels. But instead of judgment, instead of heaping on judgment, he heaps on grace to all who believe in him, to all who call him Lord and Savior. He heaps on grace. And when Jesus came, when Jesus came to this earth, everybody missed it. It says in John 1 verse 10, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. The world was spiritually blind. They expected the Messiah to look different. And so when Jesus showed up, the son of a carpenter who washed people's feet, who hung out with prostitutes and lepers and tax collectors and sinners, who died on a cross flanked by criminals, they missed it because they didn't think this was what the Messiah would look like. In John chapter 9, it says, Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to, those, to show those who think they can see that actually they're blind. Those who are spiritually blind, walking around thinking they can see perfectly, he was going to show them, actually, you're not seeing clearly. And some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim that you can see. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, they thought they were seeing clearly. They thought that they were seeing what was real. But the truth is, they were walking around totally spiritually blind the whole time. And so Elisha says to the king, don't kill them, feed them. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. This is amazing. Because the truth is that on seeing and experiencing God's grace, they were changed forever. On seeing and experiencing God's grace, they were changed forever. They never returned to fight this battle again. This battle that had been waging on for years and years stopped in this moment because they experienced the grace of God. And then look at Jesus, this, this parallel, this shadow that actually when the Roman soldier who was stood at the foot of Jesus' cross watching everything that was going on, when he saw Jesus die, he looked up and he said, surely this man was the son of God. When he experienced God's grace, his life was changed forever. When our eyes are opened to the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, our lives will be changed forever. Our lives will be, will be changed forever. So we need to be praying, God, open our eyes. Don't let me live out of what it is that I feel, but let me live out of a place of what is truly real. God, open my eyes. Show me what is real. Show me that you are with me. Show me that I am surrounded, not by the battle, not by the enemy, not by this raging army, but by you, by your love, by your power, by your grace, by your angels. I am surrounded and safe. Show me what is real. Why don't we pray? Lord God, we just thank you once again for this example that you have given to us in Scripture that actually this, this story of this prophet 
the faith of this man of God that was able to look past the the natural fear that would come from uh, his physical sight, but he was able to see with spiritual eyes that you were with him all the way. And so, God, we pray that you would open our eyes, that you would reveal to us just how wide, how long, how high, and how deep your love is for us. God, I pray that you would help us to see that we're not alone but that we would recognize that we're surrounded in our battles by your might, by your power, by your love. God, I thank you that you are with us, that you are always with us. May we pray from this moment forward, not God, enter into our battles, enter into our situations, enter into our circumstances, but God, may we pray, open our eyes so we can see that you're already here, that you're already here. And so, God, we thank you for that promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. That you are with us every step of this journey. On the mountaintops, in those joyous moments, you are with us, celebrating with us. And in those deep, dark valleys where we feel like whatever we're facing is impossible, is immovable, that, God, you are with us through it all and that nothing is bigger than our God.